Welcome to Hope Church Online with Hope Church Birmingham. Thank you for joining us for this week's audio message for this week's sermon. I am Adam, the lead pastor of Hope Church, and we are honored that you would join us for this week's audio message and audio episode. If this is a blessing to you, we do ask if you would do us a favor, feel free to share this message, whether on social media or send it to someone who needs a little encouraging word for their day. And as we always say now, let's dive into this week's message. Now, many of you know I work at a library. I like to talk about it a lot. I have many stories that I connect to our messages. One of the things about libraries that seem foreign to people is that if you keep a book for too long, you get a fine. (laughs) If you lose a book or damage a book, you get a fine. And one day we had a quote-unquote friendly patron who called the library deeply upset that she was going to have to pay a fine. So, I tried to step in to resolve the problem. Well, she was not pleased with my problem solving, and she demanded that this is not right. She said, who's in charge? (laughs) I want to speak to the man who is the manager. I've spoken to him before. Well, at that moment, I had to politely explain that since I am the only man that worked at the library at that time, I was the said manager in charge. She then said some choice words and hung up the phone. (laughs) The title of my message is, Who's in Charge? Jonah Part 2. Can you imagine something with me? What if God called you on the phone? Your phone rings, or whatever your iPhone sound is, and said, I want you to do something great. Not only do I want you to do something great, I want to do something great in you. I want to bring thousands to salvation. Would you drive to Tampa for me and tell them about Jesus? (laughs) The phone call ends and you respond by booking a one-way flight to Los Angeles, California. Wait a second. Did not God just call and ask you to go to Tampa? Yes, that's what I said. But you booked a one-way flight, 2,500 miles, the opposite direction, and go to California. That's what Jonah did. We talked about that last week. To recap it, we learned that Jonah was a prophet called and sent by God to bring repentance to Nineveh. But he did the opposite. He took a boat trip to Tarshish, 2,500 miles away. In a nutshell, Jonah said, I'm in charge. He gave a big thumbs down to God's plan. The I am am in charge mentality, friends, is an affront to God's sovereignty. Jonah is not just about Jonah the prophet. We talked about this last week. It also shows us several characteristics of God. Chapter one shows us that God is sovereign. What does that mean? Here, let's, let's dive in a little more to the sovereignty of God. Some of us struggle with understanding what sovereign means. Well, it can be simply defined as lordship, Lord, reigning. You know, the, the word Lord in the Bible is translated from Yahweh is used roughly 7,000 times throughout scripture. So I think it's clear God is sovereign. He is Lord. Imagine the perfect king who has a plan, who cares about his kingdom and is in control. That's what sovereignty is 
of God. He is in control. He is in authority. He has covenantal presence. What does all this mean? His control is effective. That means nothing can prevent him from accomplishing his purpose. He has authority, which means it's absolute. It doesn't waver. It transcends all loyalties, all governments, all areas of life. And he has a covenantal presence. That means he promises to be in relationship with his creation. You see, God's sovereignty gives him authority to rule and a right to rule everything. Why does he have sovereignty? Because he is the creator. And if we believe that and view that, then we have to also hold in hand that he is sovereign. This is offensive to our culture. Our culture is offended by a sovereign God, partly because we can't wrap our minds around the thought that something can have a better plan than us. We get offended because we want to rule and we want to be in charge. Or we're offended because we want to be God of our life. You may have the thought, I am not God. But I have to ask you, did you seek God's will in looking for your new job? Did you seek God's direction in your family drama? Did you seek God's peace when you received bad news? The idea of sovereign me is an oxymoron. I cannot be sovereign and be successful. Sovereign God is successful. That's a problem today. It was a problem for Jonah and a problem for the early church. Paul addressed it. Paul addressed it in Romans 6.16. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you could choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. I have to ask you today, who's in charge? Who is sovereign in your life? Ask yourself, who's in charge? What is the, is there something that's not God that's in sovereign and lording and leading my life? In, first, in Jonah 1, we're going to continue in verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship, and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God, perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. We see Jonas is in the middle of chaos and he's asleep. This wouldn't be a minor storm. In this area of the world, they were master sailors. We got to hear that. And to see that the mariners were afraid shows that the severity of this storm was pretty big. But Jonah is asleep in the middle of the storm. I think this is a great image of something Christians and the American church faces today. Asleep during a storm. I'm afraid that our world is a mess, but we choose to take a back seat in regards to influencing the world or the situation. And the problem is if we take a back seat, we're becoming negligent of what God wants to do. Meanwhile, the devil's making all the noise he wants to. Friends, sleeping Christians like to do some things. Sleeping Christians or a sleeping Jonah as we just read, likes to hide out away from working in the wild, likes to hide out away from praying for people in need, likes to hide out staying unaware 
of problems. Like to sleep, the thing is, sleeping Christians are in danger and they don't even know it. Some sleeping Christians may protest, I'm not asleep at all. We talk about Jesus. But friends, I know some people who could talk in their sleep. <laughs> we walk with Jesus, but I know some people who can walk in their sleep. We have passion for Jesus. I wept in worship the other day. I've heard people who cry in their sleep. We have joy and rejoice at Jesus. I know people who laugh in their sleep. We think about Jesus all the time. You could dream in your sleep. Friends, why do I tell you that? I want us to be aware and fight becoming sleeping Christians when there's a problem or an issue that needs to be addressed in our life or a problem or an issue that needs to be addressed in our world or there's something that the Lord has put us on task for, we must wake up and realize that God wants to use us during this time. Just as God talked to Queen Esther and said, you are here for such a time as this in Esther 4.14, we are here at this time for a reason. So we must wake up, realize who is the Lord who has a plan and how he wants to use us. The story continues in verse seven. They said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country and what people are you? A lot of questions there by the mariners. And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up. And hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they couldn't. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it has pleased you. So they picked up Jonah, hurled him into the sea, And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. That's the end of chapter one. A couple things I want to highlight in this passage. I know we covered a lot there. In verse 10, they say, What is this that you have done? Some translations say, why have you done this? This is the most practical question asked when someone is resisting by God. And the mariners who did not even know God says, why have you done this? Why did you ignore God? This isn't even deep theology. But we will not find success running from God. The pagan mariners realized this. Then the mariners tried their way. They casted lots. They rowed. They eventually gave in. You see, they tried it their way and they failed. We could try every way in the book. New, in, new age spirituality, crystals, it'll fail. Atheistic beliefs, it'll fail. Agnostic beliefs where I pick and choose, it'll fail. Universalism, I can do everything and get to heaven, it will fail. But when we give in to God's plan, friends... We see 
that we're going to begin to find success. The storm calms, the storm subsides, and God is glorified. In verse 16, it said, the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered him a sacrifice of worship. You see, when we give in, God is glorified. I think more of us can associate with Jonah than we want to admit. We've tried it our way before. We've made mistakes. We've ran, but God is sovereign. Some of us want change, but we've only been getting temporary change because we haven't fully submitted to him. Think of it like this. If I had Band-Aids and I had my heart had issues and I needed a transplant, but I started putting Band-Aids all over my body. I had these cuts and I thought, oh, I could fix my heart if I just use these Band-Aids. Well, friends, that's not going to do anything. Those band-aids are temporal. Those band-aids are surface level, but my heart would need a transplant. You see, friends, that's what happens when we try to do things into our own hands. We say, I need to change. I need to get in God's will, but we just try to fix it on our own. We're just going to end up missing out on the true need. You see, behavioral change without heart change equals temporary change. Heart change Plus, behavioral change equals permanent change. In Matthew 19, 16, we see a man comes to Jesus asking him, what good must he do to have eternal life? He says, what good? You need to obey the commands. The man says, which ones? He said, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not tell lies. You must respect your father. You must love your neighbors. You love yourself. And the young man says, I have obeyed these commands. What else do I need? Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, then go and sell all that you own. Give the money to the poor and then come follow me. But when the young man heard what Jesus told him to do, he was sad because he didn't want to do this because he was very rich so he left. You see, friends, this young man missed Jesus because his reason of because was he was rich and he left. Jonah missed God's plan initially because he was afraid or because he wanted to be in charge. I have to ask you today, are you missing God's plan because of something. Maybe it's because you want to be in charge. Will you miss Jesus because you want to do things your way? Will you miss Jesus because you only want a behavior change? Will we grasp the plans of God because we allow him to change our heart? Will we allow God to move in our life because we submit to him as being sovereign? Will we allow God to change our family's life because we ask him to have his way? Will we allow God to use us and for us to fulfill our calling because we submit ourselves to him no matter what it looks like, no matter where he calls us to, no matter what he asks us to do? Will we see lives change because we say, God, you are in charge, not me. 
Friends, I want us to find the hope of Jesus and to allow that hope to run rampant in our life, not just for us to receive the gift, but for the gift to transform us from the inside out and for lives to be forever changed so that we can make a difference in a world in need. Jonah has, was a prophet. Jonah was called by God. Jonah had experienced God, but he ran away from him. And in turn, he said, I'm in charge. I'm going to be sovereign. And as a result, he ran into a storm and he was asleep in the middle of chaos. Friends, do not be ignorant or or ignoring what God is wanting to do in your life because you're asleep. Let's not be a sleeping church. Let's be a church that is awake, looking for God to move, looking for God to be in charge, looking for God to be sovereign because there are people who are in need. Friends, Let's not miss out on what God has for us. Let's turn to him today and get rid of every excuse, get rid of every hindrance, get rid of every obstacle and lay it down before him and say, God, I want to be in your will. Use me. You see, I talked about Matthew 19, how there was a rich young man who refused to go his way. But at the same time in that passage, we see that he's talking to his followers and his disciples who had laid it all on the line and chose to follow him. Let's be like the followers of Jesus, who in the face of martyrdom, who in the face of being ridiculed, chose Jesus. Let's not go on our own. Let's choose him and see what happens. God, thank you for those who have tuned in to this message. I pray all of us will be challenged with the thought of asking ourselves the question, who am I allowing to be in charge of my life? And if it's not God, God, I pray that we'll be convicted. And right now, we'll take the steps to allow you to be sovereign and in charge of our life and of our walk. And as we do so, we will not just face behavioral changes or temporary changes, but we'll have a heart change and we'll see permanent change take place so that we could be in your sovereign will. God, I thank you for what you're going to do. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for tuning in. I hope you were encouraged that we have a sovereign God who's asking for a people to submit to him so that he could be in charge and get us right where he wants us to be. Friends, if you are encouraged or you want to get a little more connected to Hope Church, feel free to visit us at hopechurchbhm.com slash connect. Or if you're tuning in, say, I would love to support what's going on at Hope Church. You can do so at hopechurchbhm.com slash give. And as always, friends, you are invited to join us in person at church at 10 a.m. every Sunday at 2798 John Hawkins Parkway. We hope to see you real soon.